You're listening to On Conversation, and I am the legend Keith Chandler. This week, we convene at Muddigan's Coffee Shop in Swansboro, North Carolina, where we discuss the future of audio jobs in the music and podcasting industry, specifically as it pertains to audio engineer for both major and minor recording productions and podcasting. We also discuss changes in music from the 60s and 70s to the current day and the major sell-offs of back catalogs of people like David Crosby, Neil Young, and others. As always, the opinions expressed on our podcast are solely our own and are not representative of the businesses in which we are sitting in to record these podcasts. Our intro music is brought to you by Odd Circles. The song is called Recluse, and you can find out more about them at sweetsoundsrecords.bandcamp.com. Enjoy the show. So good morning. Here we are. This is On Conversation 4. I am the legend Keith Chandler. I'm joined by Dr. Bradford Griggs and uh, our other associate back from Valentine's Day, Joseph Sisk. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Now we're good. We can do whatever we want now. (laughs) So we were talking about whether or not Sound Engineers was an up-and-coming job because of all the new podcasts and the rehabilitation of vocal entertainment singular vocal entertainment Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i don't i don't think it is i don't think so when we went to recording school when i went to recording school in ohio and we got done and they gave us a um a packet divided by state and it was recording studios that's i assume either they looked up someone knew about i don't know who compiled this list at this point, it's irrelevant. But they gave you a list, and they said, "Here's all the studios. This is where you can go look for work." You couldn't get, you couldn't get work. I did, I did a a, a one day internship at a studio in New York. They gave me six bucks. I was about to ask if it was paid or not. Yeah, six bucks, and that was because, uh, I, and I was there on vacation. I just, it just happened that it worked out that I was there vacationing. Six bucks, and they figured that was for the train. You know, if you you know if, if you took the time out of your day to go do that at least, um, I think with the way tech is, you know, your when you got whatever you got reason or whatever, it came with a a DAW a digital audio workstation, so it yeah. came with something that you had to, in theory, figure out how to use. Anything that you could get, even I think Adobe has. Um, a, a program like a recording program I'm almost certain of it because I think we used it at Lockwood Station but I can't remember what it's called obviously got Pro Tools Ableton um, Audacity is free and open source right, Audacity Logic there's there's. I guess the idea is that you, in theory you can find the one that suits you that you can right if you're used to using the Adobe tools like right. that's why Adobe does so well and I it, guess with all the resources anybody could read up about a mic or a, 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 yeah. a recorder or whatever and do however. But again, that's different than having an expert. Right. Because in, in this sense, yeah, absolutely, because if someone who's got a fine-tuned ear 
for that practice, and that's what. Well, that's why, like, the music stars pay for those people. Like, they want so and so that has a certain ear for a certain type of lyric or Mm. a certain beat or a certain whatever sound, even right. Like Rick, I know when when we did stuff. So we did the Metallica record. Metallica finished. This is a whole different story for another different day or whatever. So this, if anyone ever hears this, they're going to think, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Um, when we did the Metallica record and we finished it up, they had to make four or five, I'd have to go back and look it up, three, four, three to five different masters because Rick likes his masters really hot for some reason, which would be the music that you turn on in your car and it's like punching you in the face when your volume dial is at 10 or whatever. Right. It's mastered really hot. It's over-compressed. It comes out clipping, maybe a little distorted. But, you, but it's like, some of it's obvious, but you got to really listen for it. Right. If you have a more dynamic master, which has been, they, people still make them, but this stopped This stopped in the 90s or, or declined in the 90s, the dynamic masters. Or when you put something in your car, when people would say, turn it up, you had to turn it up. And the more you turned it up, it actually would sound better because you had the sympathetic sound floor because it was more dynamic in the music. You're not over-compressing it and then raising the volume. You're lightly compressing it, and then you're allowing the volume to be played with, if that makes any sense. I think so. Yeah. But when you say dynamic, what is... So a lot of... That's just a label. The variation. Of music. Like volume or... Like highs and lows, both pitch-wise. Um, you have an intense band playing something intensely, uh, like a rock band or even a, a, rap, a rap group or anything, and it's like really intense and like you really feel them. And then they go and they drop into a dynamic part, something really soft. In the over-compressed, mastered hot music, that feeling that you would get from like. I'm jamming, I'm jamming, I'm jamming. Oh, here's this nice, quiet, oh, hey, da-da-da-da-da. It's the volume of that is increased, Hmm. so it does not seem as dynamic if it seems like there's any dynacism in it at all. Going back to the point, though, about audio engineering is that this guy that, that did all this, he had to sit and do this over and over again for different formats because the Internet needed one format, CD was another format, I think the record was another format, um, because they're mastered at different levels right. because of the, the yeah bit depth or whatever. And that's, and that's all stuff that I should know a whole lot more about that I don't. But as far as audio engineer being a, a, a career, a sustainable ca- career now with people needing stuff, that all depends. That People have to put an emphasis in it. Well, and that's pretty much a standard deal as where the people at the top always make the most amount of the collective mm-hmm. uh, in general, the collective, the top third make the most amount where the ones struggling at the bottom trying to learn or trying to understand whatever. And there are people that could have done it for 20 years and never reached the level because that, that element of luck or like we were talking about, like if you had been drugged into Metallica's crowd right. all the time and you lived off of their their success especially when they were super successful there's probably a lot of things i wouldn't be saying the the (laughs) the money rolled downhill right right right. Right. it 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 spread across the crew that stayed with them for 30 years right Mm -hmm. um but the luck of that is just like the luck of being born an original heir of emerald isle like some of that is in there as well 
Yeah, scalable occupations. Well, right. So audio engineer being similar to musicians in general, where like you said, yeah. even the top, anybody. Yeah. even the top one percent is several thousand times more successful than somebody who's actually right. of comparable ability. Mm. They just lack the like the luck or exposure. What do you think of jobs that aren't? I mean, we should stay with music, but what do you think about jobs that aren't like if you consider like a computer engineer to be similar to a sound engineer? Why are they so um, when we can say that music is as popular as computers, right? So what do you think? You think it's because it's more complex than being a sound engineer or because it is it has its own gateway? Um which is, I mean, I get you don't have to have a computer science degree, but in general, a lot of you're one of the few I know that actually is a programmer that doesn't have a computer science degree. But maybe that's because I'm just around a bunch of computer scientists with computer science degrees. Um, the capital is a lot more concentrated for anything that's, that's entertainment related because one, you get popular. Everybody wants to, everybody wants to like and get on board with the same thing, mm -hmm. and so there isn't people's it's taste the and team. therefore money yeah. is not is not scattered as far. Whether right. whereas if you have an occupation that is specific to a particular business and each business needs one and you have capital kind of more evenly spread out across the businesses. Like just because, um, you know, just because Apple has a ton of money doesn't mean that there aren't tons and tons and tons of companies that are smaller, medium, that still need like computer services. Whereas, yeah, and specialty people who do a certain type of business that have to have like you work in a place where they have a specific need yeah, right. it's not a general need; it's a specific need. Well, and, and to that to that point, I would say then there's I'm sure there are many audio engineers that have great sustaining careers that are helping develop pieces like computers, better speakers, better earbuds. Those types of audio engineers mm -hmm. probably will live good, long, happy, healthy lives. Mm -hmm. The people who are sitting behind, you know, fifty-six channel console boards or you know, a hundred and 72 channel console boards listening back to music over and over and over again making it oh so perfect whether it's in a podcast format or uh you know mass recording or anything i think those guys and gals days are either numbered or soon to be incredibly need to be adjusted mm. then again though you know if we go more podcasts because of covid if you go more podcast or um you know, visual based like YouTubing and um, I've heard people say, oh, I can't believe this, but I've heard people say, you know, I watch TikTok. I get my, you know, I, I watch my news on whatever scares the fuck out of me. That's just me. Um, a lot of people do it on Twitter. Okay, yeah. But if, if Twitter was to suddenly, which I guess that would completely change everything Twitter is, but if Twitter was to suddenly add a, and I'm sure they, I don't Twitter, I don't tweet, so I don't fucking know, um, like a video thing. You know, then maybe I could see audio engineers, people bringing in audio engineers, but I, and they'd be living like freelance, you know, to the, the gig economy. Right. They'd be like bounty right. hunters almost, you know, mm -hmm. whoever's going to pay me the most money. That's the way the gig economy kind of works with that, the side of it that is more the, sure, there's a lot of freedom, which is what everyone touts about it, but there's no like security at all. But I would say, yeah. too, from the audio engineer's perspective and just 
things in general, I feel like we got to a point, they got to a point where things were so polished and so overproduced that I think for a long time there was a, a sense of relief in people doing it themselves, even mm -hmm. if it was done. Pro the, the music, the songwriting could have been fantastic. The music might mm -hmm. have been produced poorly. But I think there was a very brief period there between, say, like 03 to 08, where that was acceptable. And then I think from 08 on, especially with the advent of more hip-hop, pop, trap rap, production became more, like I think a lot of things, more um, polarized. Polarized between what? Well, look at your criticism to your friend. Make the kick hit harder, make the snare louder, and add the, add the 36th or the 64th on the hi-hat. So you're talking about increasing a low, far-end, low-end frequency, adding more trilly, high-end stuff, and then making the thing that sits like at whatever, like... That's very specific. Like 100K louder. So you have polar, there's nothing in the middle. Boom! You have nothing. You have no. There's, 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 there's. The voices no. in the middle, right? The rappings in and the, the instrumental parts. He had some pretty dope instrumentals, like if, weaving if in and If there are instrumental yeah. parts, one like guitar. Yeah, yeah. And, and keyboard or just guitar? Uh, guitar. And then he guitars. had, yeah, he had. Um, I think he did uh, like. Uh, kind of revamped kind of keyboard okay. uh, part in the background for like atmosphere mm. kind of like wavy yeah. so and people will use that and that's and that's fine that's good I, I just there's no there's there's an increase in that or again it would be nice to be able to bring and we and so okay so Joey sent me a message the other day and said uh, with the article about I can't remember the guy's name he bought into the lion's share of the Beach Boys catalog. Oh, I, I read about that. Yeah, and not just their catalog. They're in, I don't want to get off topic, but they're like their images. You know, no, like no, their I, th whole, I, think, I think it's all like the whole package. It yeah. was almost like buying their lives. A band, yeah, yeah, that no longer exists. Right. Like he could have. And almost like the goal was to have like I don't a, know a that ro I robotic wanted that to happen to my kids. Humanized Beach Boys. Yeah, you know a like, lot of people have sold their catalogs. Sure, what are we sure, talking sure. about, Dylan? But especially recently, well, yeah, Dylan, it's a gold rush. Did, did apparently, ne did Neil Young? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's right. 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 So Dylan, Neil Young, two in their in their day, and even to some extent. I can't now, believe Neil Young sold his catalog. I know, right? right? Well, I don't know what the exact terms were. I just heard him mention, but he has been like the big advocate for improving streaming sound quality like yeah. trying to push into really really high dense information yeah Pono. yeah because he's which is it's kind of strange to me because if i listen to like neil young's music i mean there isn't oh, to me it's there very isn't barnyard kind yeah. of yeah let's sit down at this fire and let's talk about life right Right, yeah. yeah it's Which not is like what lush the, production or anything. Well, I know, sorry, and if it was lushly produced, I don't know that I would like it as much. Like, I, I kind of like the... Well, see, uh, but that's the thing. Some things sound really great with a lack of production. Or mm. if the production is to make it sound like trash. We'll come back to the Beach Boys thing in just a second. I'll give you... Uh, so, Nirvana. Right. They had three records in their lifetime. Bleach, Nevermind and in utero and then he killed himself 
and then everything that ever happened other than MTV Unplugged came out uh, posthumously. Right. Bleach was done by, I want to say, Jack and Dino, who was the sub-pop guy. And it is raw. It's not awful sounding. It's not noisy. It's not anything like that. But it was. it's raw. It's, it's probably pretty true to what they sounded like at that time. Not a lot of production. Right. Kurt didn't like doing overdubs. He was really, really against it because he thought it would threaten his punk rock ethos or whatever. They do Nevermind with Butch Vig. Butch Vig is a, he's a producer. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he was a, he's a drummer too. He was in um, uh, the 90s band Garbage, but, uh, you know, and this was for a major label. They wanted it to sound good. Mm-hmm. So they did. They overdubbed it. Dave sang, and they got a better drummer, and they did this, and they did that, and all this. Okay. What was the reaction? In utero, they go get Steve Albini, the complete antithesis, the guy, the complete, total countercultural fuck you, doesn't deal with record labels, doesn't take producer points. He just goes and does a job and he goes home and that's that. And of course the record comes out and it sounds like a noisy Steve Albini rock record. And it didn't sell as well. And in fact, two of the songs on there, the singles, they had someone else remix because they didn't want them to sound that way, which really pissed Steve off, among other things. Mm-hmm. It, 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 that's all different, again, different stuff. What were the singles? Uh, Heart Shaped Box and Rape Me. Um, record comes out doesn't sell as well probably because by that point we were really getting into and also people wanted a more polished production they wanted them to grow up right right yeah, yeah. um I, th- that, I wonder if that happens to artists like they want them to grow up they'll tolerate the raising hell in the beginning and then they do they want them to grow up is that kind of do they get past the stage of like when you trash a motel room? That's not cool, right? <laughs> <Or> whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, surely, yeah. I mean, you if uh, I mean if if Mick Jagger or somebody or Keith Richards did something like that today, you'd think, oh, come on. Uh, no, Keith could probably do it and get away with it, but Maybe. Mick certainly couldn't, and certainly Steven Tyler wouldn't but at you, all. You think it right? Was, yeah, you'd he's think it polished. Was he's working on his art collection, right. Right? right? right. Even though he's still wearing. You know, scarves and tight pants. It's like somebody's retired aunt. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the Beach Boys thing going to, and this is what Joey and I were discussing, was, well, had discussed. I asked him for his thoughts. He can share those if he wants. Um, but we mentioned specifically production. And for most of their career, their production is pretty perfect. I mean, all things considered, if you wanted to be a great producer, you could study Brian Wilson. Other versions of their same songs do not capture, I think, what people really like about their music. Right, which would be the production, probably. Yeah. Not so much the content. I guess except for maybe like Pet Sounds or something like that, where it speaks universally to you, to people, loneliness, uh, uh, you know, fitting in this love, kind of traveling yeah. love. Yeah. I've heard a lot of God Only Knows covers. Right, yeah. Oh. And they're terrible. Um but even then, when the Beach Boys after that and Brian had the, the mental retreat and all this kind of thing, they started, I mean, they moved into his house. They made the next, like, three or four records in his house. Mm-hmm. And at the time, they would have, they were considered, you know, vastly underproduced. Mm-hmm. But they still sound ten times better, cleaner, more together, which is a testament to their musicianship and their talent, mm-hmm. but to his production, that even them in his living room with a bass guitar and out-of-tune piano and them singing and someone tapping on a tambourine 
that it sounds better than some of the shit that comes out now. Mm -hmm. So, but if their longevity is in their production and the people that are in theory ushering us into the newest era are the beat makers, the producers, they ain't picking up on the Beach Boys. And, and it has nothing to do with anything other than they're either not aware of it or it's antithetical to the, the nature of the medium. Mm. I, the, I like to think that contemporary people are more aware of old music than <laughs> contemporary people have been in a very long time because of access to more music through streaming platforms, through the internet. Like, exposure is a lot higher now from every single decade to people today. Right, but do people really take the time to absorb and appreciate production? One, two, can the production actually be appreciated when most people are hearing it through tin, tinsy, tiny, treble, treble, uh, high treble headphones or earbuds with, with almost no bass? Hence why when people yeah. make music now, they're making it for the medium. That's why you have really strong, low-end, intense sound because it comes through these mm -hmm. shitty tinny speakers and this really high-end thing because it sticks out. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, you don't want people to right. make things for a medium that they're not. it's not going to be played on right, or but, equipment that but, it's not going to be played on. Then in that case, in my opinion, you're limiting someone's ability to, to create an art because you're confining them to two polar opposites. Because if the medium has no mid-range other than someone going, he, ha, he, 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 then what's the point of writing wonderful, dynamic, complicated, layered music? Hmm. What would even be the point? I could fart on a drum in one mic and tap a tambourine in the other, and I could turn that into a beat and make a gajillion dollars as long as I mumbled over it about cough syrup. Well, not, not, it not depends put, on what people any... like about music. And, right. and anything it... that people enjoy about music is valid. Okay. Right, and, and, I, and I agree Photography. If people are only going to look at pictures on their phones, then what's the point of making something that looks really better great. than it would look on a phone? I mean, well, I, like a David Yarrow $10,000 print. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I mean, no, and I... Of I, a tiger getting ready I mean, to eat it's his it's not going to stop anyone from doing it, and I don't think it should. But I think, I think it's, it's limiting, which I think is part of the reason some analog older records... Of course, now you have Bluetooth speakers and things like that, Bluetooth tables... But I guess, I mean, I would think, shame on producers, because I would think with all of the vocal tracks in the Beach Boys catalog, all the outtakes and even the stuff on records of just them vocal, you don't mean to tell me that somebody couldn't come in there and chop all that stuff up, put some drums behind that and make that sound amazing? Yeah, maybe that would be the goal. Take... Right, um, but, but take but, what's good about them in the like how the vocals sound, things like no that, and then turn it. in. Well, I mean, I would think that would be a playground for somebody, and no one's done it. And in fact, the only and given your your hip hop rap uh, breadth of knowledge is, is much wider than mine, but the only producers that I know of offhand that are doing anything outside of sampling soul or other rap, even though they do that would be Mad Lib, maybe Cut Chemist, maybe DJ Shadow, probably DJ Shadow for sure, because he uses everything. DJ Babu from Beat Junkies, 
and maybe J-Rock, somebody like that. Dilla did a lot when he was around, but because they would sample all that like German 70s psychedelic electronic stuff too. And nothing, nothing new I listen to rap-wise really has samples in it. It's well, all just totally from scratch. Well, and there's and there's reasons for that too. At least as, what I can tell. As far as sampling goes, I think of sampled. Uh, or rap music with samples as being almost like an, an older thing hmm. at this point. I associate it with older rap music. Hmm. There is still a culture of sampled based music though. In the in the in the sense that sample is taking something else, catching a piece of it. Yeah, and I probably listen I probably hear samples in music I listen to all the time and just don't just realize a, where it's, it's coming just, yeah, from. Yeah, it's not the traditional Huh. But what's the How purpose music- of a sample anyway? Like, it's a good sound, so you use it. Um, oh, I, I, like I, I it's think a it, nice it melody, all- so you incorporate it in. Is it like a reference? It all. I think it always depended on the context. Because dudes would take like little bits of things, like uh, in the '90s. Obviously, the rappers were big on you know smoking the dro hitting the blunts and that kind of thing and they'd catch little samples of people saying goofy things like for skits in between the rap records that was a very 90s thing and so you could trigger that one oh well those those boys were really bad off and then the beat would come in or you know so there it would serve a purpose well I think people sample beats too that they play it I mean there are certain areas of songs that they sample so they don't have to play those over and over and over again like especially in a studio or if you're a one man band I mean, um, yeah. It's a way of keeping the older music alive for the younger generations. Hmm. You know, especially in the early 80s or late 80s, early 90s, you got all the people sampling soul, chopping up all the old soul records. So you're taking all this stuff from when you were a little kid and you're making it relevant, relevant again to not only your peers, but the next youth culture. Oh, yeah, well, I didn't know about that music damn that's really cool you know the people that's how that's how a lot of people end up well did so maybe nostalgia still i don't know if it's nostalgia so much as uh reverence that sounded like the inspiration for the beach boys purchase in a lot of ways nostalgia? like he was like i i like this i want it to be more popular i want people to know about it and did you listen i don't, to- I don't see a lot of money coming out of that necessarily did you listen to a lot of beach boys growing up was it, oh, just because you grew up here on the coast, that's why I'm asking. Like beach theme, beach town. Mm, a little bit. Carolina beach music, probably more, more would be... Which, which is technically called Northern Soul, oddly enough. Yeah. yeah, I would use this as an opportunity to complain about the fact that when you say beach music, people, the people's definitions of that or what they think very, fall into yeah, that. Very like, well, so. It's probably what they remember their beach experience to be when they were yeah. you know, like teenagers and kids. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around here, you say beach music, and people are like talking about like reggae and stuff like that because no, they associate it with I, beach I've, and I've vacation. Heard someone right, do that that's, too. What, that's what I mean. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. But it goes everywhere from as a as a vague term, like the way that people interpret it, it goes everywhere from like surf rock to right. Beach Boys to the actual like beach music, which is like yeah, the faster soul stuff to 
any kind of like well that's why i say carolina beach music so that's like the spinners the yeah yeah, chairman of the board all the extrapolate yeah the 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 myrtle beach kind of i would like to come back to that too if you if i don't forget the um the genreization of things because this cracks me up but um i i think beach boys might be part nostalgia i mean if and I, I and I hate conceding these type of things. If we if we would if we would, as a culture, as a, as a greater culture, if we say that the, the Beatles are, that's it, they're the top tier as far as that medium, music, bands, rock and roll, right. and I don't even mean like just rocking out, not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know. The, the only the next best thing that America can offer, that can even moderately compete with that, would be the Beach Boys. That's our Beatles. That's as good as we can get, truly. I mean, that like, if if Brian hadn't had the fallout, they would have been as big, if not bigger, than the Beatles. I think that's I think that's an unequivocal. It can be argued, obviously, but why the guy spending all that money and doing all that? I don't know because it does seem like a fool's errand. Because if it's not, they can make all the movies they want. And this is I think this is a, a larger thing that I have with this stuff is. Um, and I was trying to think of a clever way to word this to you the other day, but it, it, in my mind it comes down to like, I think the idea of that at a time things were built to last, whereas now that we know things are built to be thrown away. So you can have a gajillion so I also have a, pop, rock, whatever hits filter right. through your playlist, and every week it's different, and you never hear about that person or that track ever fucking again mm-hmm. except for that one week. But these other things, they were built to last. Well, and they kind of have, in a way, because that genre still kind of exists. And I was thinking, like, the guy, there is also, that goes along with the Beach Boys, the golden age of California. So I would think that some of that is the nostalgia of the Woody and the surfer and the free life and the good clean water and the you know the you can do kind of what you want to do during the day Venice Beach is not crowded you know and and that kind of the golden I think of it as the golden age of California um, and I when I California think, was in vogue right right and I think that nostalgia <laughs> is a is a really powerful USA kind of nostalgia Hmm. Yeah, who can nostalgia appeal to people who do not have a direct emotional like relationship to the time period that's being well? Referenced? I think they've redone it before, and I think um, the da na 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 da na 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 da na 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 California, here we come. You remember that? Hmm. So that's from what was the name of that show that was so friggin' popular for so many years? Um, if I say the name, you'll know it. Know. Oh my God! Um, Probably something I watched on TV with my grandmother. I can look it up. Yeah, yeah. It's like orange. It's like they're in Newport the Beach. No, 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 no. It's much newer than the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, orange. Is I mean, it? I need it? more. Look it up. Uh, uh, look it up. Yeah. Oh my God! I have to. So y'all, y'all, it's not the OC. But any, You're not the yes, OC. it is okay, the OC. Okay. Right. right. So oh, that okay. that did the exact same thing. Right. So that created a nostalgia right. for that sunny life and the Range Rover. It changed it a little bit, right. but 
you know, that's still same, freedom same and they can do what they want to do because they're rich and, you know, which is different than the nostalgia from before. They just did what they want to do because they were free because right. California was a f free love, free surf, free whatever. So it's a little bit different, but they use the similar kind of views. Like well, that's like cultural marketing. Like yeah, everything yeah. is good. Every like you say, freedom. Yeah. You know, sunshine. Yeah. Well, in California, yeah. they're getting a real bad rap right now too. So, I I would say my only the only other thing that I think that I could offer about the Beach Boys because I I love the Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, whatever about the. With the first probably like six or seven records, all the Chuck Berry ripoffs and all that. Yeah, um, that stuff is. I I don't see that. It's it's making a lot of money no, these no, of days. Not, of not, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's fun. It's fun to listen to and go. Oh yeah, you know, surfing U.S. It's I mean, it's fun music. So you yeah. appreciate it for being be old, true fun to music. your school. Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no one gives a shit about that now. Um, but uh, the the if if somehow they could highlight that period. Uh, of the 70s, the late 60s going into the 70s for them. So Pet Sounds, uh, the, the, the would have been failed Smile Project, which they did compile many years ago. And the compilation they finally put out I thought was, was really great, breathtaking, really, really good. Um, Smile, Smiley Smile, Wild Honey, Friends, 2020 Holland, like the really weird stuff that they did mm -hmm. that all these indie bands and... Uh, people in the in the aughts again from you know like oh two oh three until oh eight or ten mm -hmm. there was a slew of New York uh, New England based um, I mean they were all over the country but they were up that away great wonderful super talented pop bands um, that were making tons and tons of money that all had listened to that stuff well I think there's something super comforting about you start off with a a very simple melody or melody and 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 you just kind of la 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 and then it drops into this really wall of sound like the lush. specter yeah. you know the phil specter kind of wall of sound lush harmony that just kind of like opens up the world to you and i think that sat that is very satisfying like you're listening to this and then all of a sudden you're dropped into this i would call like boys music very dynamic yeah in that in that Okay. sense yeah when you drop into the seven part harmony or whatever that they're using right. you know and then i think that is very it's very much like what barbershop does like if i don't know if you've ever seen a live barbershop performance like a barbershop quartet right. like where there's one guy singing then the other guy comes in the other one and then they're all singing melody and they drop into the harmony and it like spreads the sound all around the room right, right? and it kind of like hugs you with the harmonies are all the the uh, you know major the, scale harmonies. The other thing, if, if if you want to get real deep on it, which I'm, I'm kind of in that space right now. You are. I am. Are my pupils super dilated? <laughs> no. They look like fucking moons. No. Uh -uh. no okay. All right. Yeah, you do. Um, the power of the voice of the human voice is probably one of the Beach Boys' most undercelebrated qualities. Hmm. That I think is one thing that Kanye definitely got right was the power of the look what look at everything he did just using a voice and I hate vocoders but a voice and a vocoder the whole back end the whole last however many minutes of runaway mm-hmm 
So, and you hear, you know, the Wilsons and Mike Love and Al Jardine and um, David uh, Marks and um, who's the other guy that came in for Wilson when he went crazy? Um, played the banjo. Damn it. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. But the power they had in their voice and the highs and lows they could hit and how, like, it's almost, it's almost religious, like spiritual, and, like, you hear some of that stuff. Uh, I know, I remember I got to see the the Jubilee singers at Fisk sing one time, or the the, the Fisk Jubilee singers that were the ones of, and when I was in school, obviously not the right. original original, right? And the thing that they used to say at Fisk was to have heard the voice of the Jubilee singers was to have heard the voice of God, and to hear people put voice together like that mm -hmm. with that kind of power and emotion, it's, yeah, that's why I'm surprised that people haven't tapped producers to, to sample that stuff and put good music behind it not to say that the Beach Boys <laughs> music wasn't good I think you get where I'm going with yeah. this. so maybe he feels like there's that if he if there's a resurgence then more people will do that mm -hmm. they'll use like four-part harmonies or ten-part harmonies in music now again I mean you listen to the music I made now given it's not it's not anywhere on par with any of that stuff right in all fairness right but, I mean, I layered and layered and layered right. and layered. Now, given I'm pretty much singing the same key, same note. Right, so it's the, not harmonic. But, but the idea yeah. was that it's, it's the, the layering of the, right. you know, the voice. There's something about harmonics that it does something to the human psyche. It just You get a fuller sound. It, it, yeah. It's more fulfilling. It's like hugging. Yeah. 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 See, that seems like something that you could duplicate purely through production, though. Like you would almost not require if you, if no, you, you did it properly yeah. and you unpacked it well enough, you wouldn't because the qualities that y'all are talking about with this are, like you said, harmonics and layering yeah. and things similar to like a choir, which none of that requires like the like the the personality and like the granularity. And I don't know what people would say that they like about like soul vocals or something. Yep. It's all um, the funk. It, it's really music. It just like. Something that you could, I, I could see somebody just duplicating it, like, digitally. And you if can. they and got it have. right. Well, they yeah, do. Like, yeah, one they, person sings all ten parts. Kanye. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm well, even the Beach Boys probably sang two or three harmonies to each line. So oh, they yeah. probably had seven part yeah, or would... eight part, but it's each person singing two. Right. And as they're in the studio. So that's why live they couldn't and duplicate in, that exact. And in exact. some cases, uh, it was either just Carl or just Brian. Doing, yeah, doing everything. Mm. In some cases, well, there's only so many people that right. can sing that high. It depends, right? Yeah, yeah. they used to pick well, on Brian about that because he did all the high parts. Do you mm -hmm. need anybody to necessarily sing high or low if you can translate it digitally? If you're not worried about the like characteristic quality of somebody's voice, you there can are, do a lot to it. You, you can probably just if change. You're not can you change about the, the character of someone's voice? That's the key. I don't prefer one over the other. They are not. They will never be the same. They will come really friggin' close, and they might even sound exact. They'll never be the same. The mm. co a computer will never, ever, ever, ever. People, dude, I do it. We anyone can because do it. each track is a little different. Right. Right. Yeah. So what the computer is sampling. Different. The computer is more because um, more the precise. person sings it different. Right. Yeah. A person is not as precise like, as, a, as a set of like one every another. time I sing a song, I sing sense. it different because you just 
there's just a nuance of like if you you did the waveform and you compared the two waveforms, even if I tried to sing the song exactly alike, the waveforms would look a little different. But is that different? Is like is that difference in perfection? Is that superior? No. Like, no. Does it add something to it? That it just makes like? it different. It just makes it different. That's what he's saying. Yeah. I just think it makes it different. I can take a track in a computer and do what they call parallel compression. And I can, you know, copy and paste that track, parallel compress it, and add the same track onto itself ad infinitum. And it's just going to make it sound bigger and fuller, but it'll be perfect because it's the exact same thing. Yeah. I could take a hundred passes at one line. They're all going to have some, it doesn't matter how perfect I hit it, they're all going to have some minor variance. But I'm not saying one or the other is better, I'm just saying mm. they're different. Okay. Five years ago, I'd have said one was better than the other, but I don't feel that way now. What would you have said five years ago? I would have said that doing it yourself is better. Yeah. But you, so there is a certain amount of something, um, you know, that we all do, uh, authenticity. So the idea that a computer doing it is not the same as a human spending their time to do it, and whatever energy comes with that um, specific to human beings you lose. Hmm. People definitely love the idea of a person doing it rather than a computer. Right. They hate the idea of a computer doing it. People talk about drum parts and they're like, well, you just don't get either the same sound as when you record it live compared to making it digitally, or you don't get the little imperfections in the rhythm that make it really Well, vinyl great, versus CD. Right. Or digital, vinyl versus digital. Right. You know, people are, I mean, this this guy's one of them, would say that, you know, vinyl is 10 times better the fidelity than digital. I just I just like it better. And yeah. I mean, and even if it's... And it certainly is in flavor now because a lot of collectors, you know, they only listen to vinyl when they're just listening to music. And then even within the collector's community, there's a whole... Well, but I don't agree with that. I don't want the, I don't want the hiss and pops and stuff. Yeah, my... Well, then you got to get up. Especially when you're when you're all you know when you're barbecued and you're laying on the couch and you got to go and you're like man, whew, that bowl hit hard. Now I got to go get up and flip this record. That's tough. <laughs> That's tough. CDs, digital. There's there's some advantage. Well, from a yeah, my tech contribution to this part of the conversation would just be the <laughs> fact that like like vinyl has a lot more information. Like there's just you, more, you more sound info, right? Right. So right. Wouldn't it makes be, sense that it would be so better. So in that they're moving out of this, should we put our vinyl bar in here? We could. But they're moving out. I can give I can give you a rough idea what the rent is unofficially. It's probably horrible. Yeah. It's a great little space. Two thousand? What? Mm. Jesus, mm. criminy! They need to fix this place up. Mm. Oh well. Of course, here I am saying this on a recording, and we all, you know, but you know, you we need yeah. to take that out. Edit here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but I, I, I think, well, okay, let's put it like this. If I'm listening to a rock band, generally speaking, I'm expecting or hoping that the rock band is performing no, we know need to do this. all their stuff themselves. Wh whether through its overdubbing or I don't even care if they play to a click track at this point. It's just the idea that they did it themselves. If I'm listening to a rap group, whether it's a group or a solo artist or whatever, I'm going to work under the assumption that it was either produced for them by somebody or they produced it. And I'm not looking for enjoying anything in their music that I expect to be done 
by human hands. Yeah, and that has nothing to do with the music. It just has to do with your expectation. Right, and I you don't... were like, oh, the beat... It's, oh, God, I'm not, I'm not classic. Gonna, like I'm not going to tear a rap track up because they didn't get, like... Oh, it would have been better if they'd have had a jazz drummer in there who could have who could have put that ghost note that they could put in. With, I'm not. I don't because I'm not. I'm not listening. But I'm not, that's not what I want. That's all, not what I'm expecting. All the boomer stuff of just like, well, they played all their own instruments and they wrote all their own songs and people these days just don't do that and all that. That stuff doesn't necessarily make a well, quantifiable and, difference in the quality of the music. Well, and you and I both know that's not true. A lot. A lot of those artists did not write their own songs. A lot of those artists did not play their own music. Yeah. The entire fucking Motown roster wrote nothing, yeah. played nothing. And all those poor men that sat in the snake pit, the Funk Brothers, and did all that, they all died broke and penniless. Those who have passed. I'm Smokey Robinson wrote his own song. Well, he wrote the melodies and the words. He co-wrote. Yeah. Hey, you want to know who wrote the music? Go ask Barry Gordy, right? Hmm. Yeah. And you know what he's going to tell you? I did it. <laughs> yeah. That's how it is. Mm. But I think, I think that if we're chasing nostalgia, I think we're on a fool's errand. What the in man's intention is to do with all this. I think nostalgia sells a shit ton. Hmm. There's whole sections of the economy that's all about nostalgia. Hmm. I can see it both ways. Like the Beach Boy purchase. Including tourism. I... Okay. I see the Beach Boy purchase as somebody who is nostalgic for their own time and the things they like wanting to, like, force it on another generation rather than taking something good and, like, packaging it or using it in a way that it's actually, like, And we're appealing. not even, have we even determined whether this multi-multi-millionaire, whoever this person is, is even going to do anything with it like is it just a purchase I'm, i mean i'm sure he is he's i uh it's coming to me now that i know he's part of the management team for the eagles among others okay so i'm sure he is intending to use it he is way. intending to use i guess it. the only other but thing it could easily be just like a hedge fund manager buying it sure, just to sure. have some other kind of investment that he mm. has in the in the wings yeah the context they do that shit all the time that's michael jackson's catalog is bought by yeah somebody like that the it? context of the article too was is that it actually need to specify that he had a more kind of like personal interest because a lot of the recent purchases they think had been mainly speculative a place right. to plant money essentially um the only other thing that i i think would would be something of note is i know that the eagles per don henley's own mouth they employ a team of 70-something people. And always have. This is in recent times. They have their own recording studio, don't they? I'm sure they've got... I'm sure each one of those guys has their own everything. Right. But I know that the, the organization of the Eagles... Because here's the other thing uh, that I should point out. Maybe back in the 90s, let's use Metallica, because that's something I am somewhat familiar with. Metallica was a band. It was four dudes. Maybe they had a manager... Eventually, they got more famous. Maybe they had a team. They had a tour, you know, a, a tour uh, dude, a dude manager. you know, manager with a crew, and what, maybe they always had the same crew. Whatever, fine. Now, they very much are an organization. Mm -hmm. H half the records that we buy really should say Taylor Swift, comma LLC period. 
they, because they, 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 they are. It's an yeah. organization. It's not the fucking artist. It's, it's, a, it's a company. Right. So the Eagles, LLC or whatever, they employ 70-some-odd. Desperado. It's something Desperado. Oh, I'm think. sure. Yeah. yeah. Fucking whiskey jackasses. Um, <laughs> I, I hate the Eagles. I love them. I fuck the Eagles. Um, when your best record, when your best-selling record is a record of your greatest hits... You didn't write good. You music. say that all the time. You Hotel write. California is consistently the number one most streamed that's not the greatest hit. song recorded prior to 1980. Right. It's just head and shoulders in like play count There's above your nostalgia. everything else. Because right. well, people remember the first time they got drunk and they heard Hotel California. And... Anyway, um, so, so. Go ahead. Your Eagles bashing is done for the day. Fine. <laughs> Seventy some people who their job is to just keep Eagles music lady off of. God, lady, God, that's dark, a, that's dark, what I'm dark. saying. Yeah, Eagles music is just to um, keep it off the internet so that people can't monotonize it, profit by it, or or that the Eagles have you know reason to go after people, take videos down if it's a five second clip, and that these people are paid to prevent people from you pirating. Could, you could well pirating, but you could argue. They're paying 75 people to prevent anyone from enjoying the Eagles' music. Without paying them. Without paying them. Or doing it the way the Eagles want. So the only thing that I could say is that if this guy is on the management team of the Eagles, I have no idea what, how deep, or I fully express all that. But if this guy is on the same team, same management team, it is possible, maybe. Do you believe that art is owned, can be owned? Because this is the discussion we're having. No, uh, yeah, I suppose so at, at the root. Um, yes and no. I mean, I, I want to have it both ways. <laughs> I just wanted to trap you. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> because, but, but, but I guess you could see, like, yeah. if, if they started taking be, uh, Beach Boys music, like, off of streaming platforms and stuff, or, like, preventing people who made a video of them playing with their dogs out in the backyard, you know, God only knows how. And then, boom, that video's gone. Yeah. That's the only other thing that I could think of now as far as... How much money are people going to put up towards the fight of being able to listen to the Beach Boys or the Eagles? I mean, if they were, if you view them as a business, I'm not long on that business investment. Correct. People are making new music every day. Right. We're accumulating old music. And that would be the argument and for... boomers are dying off. Right, and that would be the argument but, for... But the dying off... The dying off argument doesn't really work because there's always new markets that appear using the same old junk in general. Maybe not junk, Which but is, like with but the, the Beach amount Boys. of material, though, is increasing. That's very true. Exponentially compared to but the But the population. ability to listen to it is also increasing exponentially. Right. And I mean, I with your yeah. cell phone. Right. I, I, yeah. do not, I do not think oh, okay. that. So you don't even have to have a, a Beach Boys mm. record. You can just go and look at you so you don't have to go down to the record store buy a record pass the record yeah. on to your kids because look how many kids like led zeppelin now that have never ever ever were around when led zeppelin was actually yeah famous. led zeppelin's big yeah i mean there Dark i guess the moon is there's some god god status floyd yeah. floyd is I mean, people have a finite amount of time and there's an exponentially increasing amount of material to listen to. That's very true. So but that doesn't, there has to be a filter somewhere. Okay. Uh, but an increase in material. 
But there's that authenticity. Right. Led Zeppelin has that authenticity. Like in Cheers. some. <laughs> thing now we're, I know, right? <laughs> we're, back, we're back again. So I'll just, I'll hey, it to, gets worse and worse and worse. But no, I, I. Increasing content also does not begat diversity or longevity of the content itself. I don't. Yeah. It is, it is certainly possible that in 50 years from now, someone, if not us, will still say something about the Beatles or Elvis Presley or Sam Cooke or whoever. I don't... This was part of why Sam and I wanted to do the 90s thing, try to remember all the one-hit wonders from the 90s. No one talks about those people anymore. I can remember, like, 93, listening to the radio, living here, listening... You know, Man, this band's gonna blow up the world. The hottest band, and da 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 da. Here they are with their big single. And like, yeah. when, when you're seven, you're like, Blind Melon. I thought was gonna they're gonna live forever. Man, the B girl, man. Mm-hmm. This is everything. It's my whole life. And like, I fucking died. No one even knows who they are now. There's, that's it. Gone. Fans. Oh, I hear that one song a lot. The one song. Yeah. Right. I'm talking about, and that's the other thing. Where's a? Because you don't have A and R development anymore. So back then, you could get a band like the Beach Boys, the Beatles. And I don't know if this happens in the like the, like the art visual art community or anything, but you know, you would be given a, a, a leash to grow. Mm-hmm. We'll sign you to three record contract. We'd like one hit on your first. If you want to do what you're doing, two on the second, three on the third. And if we like, you know, how things are going, and we'll sign you for more. But they allowed you the time and the room to grow and change. Of course, you were also making two and three records a year of of really quality stuff, which people. Strangely, two or three records a year, dude. The Beatles and the Beach Boys both all through the 60s put out about. I think the Beach maybe Boys maybe like in, two a year. I think the Beach Boys in 64, Early 65 on. put out three in one year. Okay, one of those may have been a comp, but the point is, is they were consistently producing a certain standard of material. Shit, man, most people can't do that now mm. for one reason or the other. And they actually have more more equipment at their fingertips, like literally with a laptop. Right. You have a recording studio. Uh, I know, like, okay, I'm going to pick on Migos because I, I know they did this. I'm not speaking ill of them, and I don't mean it like that. I'm picking on them because I want to say a couple years back, a year or two back, didn't they release, like, a whole... Who the hell is that? Um, it's a rap trio from Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. Um, they were very popular. I don't. I assume they probably maybe still are. I know at one time they, they had a couple yeah. big hits. People are waiting on a new album from them, but, but they've kind of they, slowed down. Didn't they put out like one whole thing, and it was you know like it would have been the equivalent of like a, a three record album or something? That it was like so many, 30, 40, 50 songs. There was a period where all these rap people were doing this. They were dropping all these different bits yeah. and pieces, because if they could put more content on the streaming service, then they could get more streams because people would listen. But the, but the quality of the stuff was just filler. It was just bullshit. So they could rack in streams. Mm-hmm. Whereas back then, the idea was that every song you were trying to make a hit, you weren't filling in bits mm-hmm. and pieces. I don't know. There's a lot of Beatles songs from like 1964 I would call filler. Well, and, and then we're starting to fracture, do drugs and that kind of thing. But you you even if you signed someone like, I mean... Miley Cyrus. Could you expect Miley Cyrus to produce three number one records in a year? Mm-mm. No. Given that's because mm-hmm. there's more content, more mediums. The world was a smaller place back then. There wasn't as much going on. So it would not be unheard of for a band to write two number one huge hit records in one year of ten great songs on both record or interesting material. 
Yeah, I don't know if the uh, the so maybe hit, I'm, I'm defeating myself, but a lot of hit records is that follow of popularization. hit records. Yeah, yeah. Is that because of popularization? Like you know, so the the popularization was more narrow back then. And now it's broader. Actually, there should be more versatile number one hits now because the the market's a lot bigger. But there isn't really. Mm -hmm. It still does a similar thing where someone gets one then another. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Almost, I don't have any data. Almost yeah. all record labels in the United States are owned by three companies: Sony, maybe BMG, and I can't think. I should again. I should know all this stuff. And I want to say of the three major publishing companies, um, CSAC, ASCAP, BMI, you may have a couple of small dogs in there, but I think the three big publishing companies are more or less owned by whomever the same three big powers are that own all the other record companies. So no, you don't have a diverse, really, not really, you don't have a diverse market. When, that was part of the reason I folded the radio. I'm paying out thousands you know whatever a thousand dollars a month five hundred dollars whatever it is in royalties because i played all this obscure music and all the and a lot of people are dead jazz music especially hmm. um their foundations aren't getting that money the 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 artist and you know that i played from beijing china they're not getting that money that no one in america maybe has ever heard of or whatever i'm sure people have i don't mean it like that to sound pretentious or anything um, oh really? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Taylor Swift's getting that money because she's right. the one that earns the most money for. So, so I, then I thought, well, fuck this. If I have to pay money to play this stuff on the air, and the money that I'm paying in isn't going to the people whose music I'm playing, then I don't want to do it. I think it's always been true with music that 99% of the money goes to one percent. We just said Barry of Gordy. The performers. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote the music. Yeah. And that, and again. There's a lot of changes that need to be made in the system through streaming platforms, how people are compensated, what the da-da-da-da-da. I would like to see in a post-social, sorry, post-social world, social media, whatever, where we go back to, hey, here's my website. Here's well, I think we're getting to that. I mean, there are certain artists that only publish through their websites. Like... Could I could only I, digital? Could I go to a mm. and they make a ton more money because they're they're paid through their websites or Patreon and people pay them fifteen dollars a month to make sure that they have an album a year, right? That would they, be like a middle area where they yeah. could make income. Yeah, that's be, a new thing. But yeah, last huge last five years, oh, this this one woman was making ten thousand dollars a month. Or if you're just in her, that was without album that was without selling the music that was just so it enabled her to actually work on music most of the time you know as a mother and raise her kid and also and she was not anybody that i recognized but when they said their name her name it was you know kind of like an enya person but um yeah she had enough fans to pay her enough money to where she could actually do her thing. I would love to be and able then to they go. Got, they were the only ones that could download the album at first, right? Mm -hmm. So they got first dibs on the new album. They could make comments on various tracks that she released earlier. So she really had like a a dialogue with her audience, which is kind of unheard of. Which is one of the good things of the way that kind of worked. You know, she had a dialogue. Well, of, you're fostering. She could explain her songs. Yeah, you're, right? you're fostering mm -hmm. an actual community that that That's actually what it is. Yeah. doesn't yeah. take place through social platforms. 
mm-hmm. because everything is so diluted out immediately. But yeah. is that a social platform using your website? Well, I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. But I would. But you're like, talking about like with YouTube or whatever, right? I, yeah. But I, I would love to um, be able to like go to go to joeysis.com and say, "Hey, Joey, I'm playing. I'm playing your beats on my station. Can I pay you? Is there, you know, what could I give you a a fee per month, a fee per year, hundred a year, or whatever? I'd rather pay. I'd rather pay you more money directly and make sure that you oh, get we, it. Why don't we create a program that does that than well that, yeah 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 someone's gonna steal the idea um that's okay but i would rather pay you more money directly they normally won't steal than pay to pay ascap less money for them to give 90 percent of it to um blake shelton and 10 percent to the far east asian eclectic jazz band that i played you know what i mean yeah and I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you, you how you make that work. So then going back to the ownership of art, in a sense, you only own it until you release it. And then in some sense, you're, you release it, you, you, you're letting it go. You can't control it at that point. You've made it, you've put it out. It does what right. it does. It strikes well, a chord. Well, art also, you don't necessarily control it. Like Ange- Michelangelo freed the sculpture from the stone and then it became part of Rome mm. or Florence, mm. right? He didn't think of it as, I mean, it was they were yeah, his that's babies. that's a good point. But you can't yeah. keep people from seeing it. Right, and yeah. you want people to see it. You want people to interpret it so many different ways it becomes part of their lived experience, well, especially if you walk by it every day. Well, that's mm. the thing, like you someone know, says, uh, you know. I can imagine living in Florence where you'd walk by such sculptures every day that... Wow, that picture, you know, made me feel this way, or I saw this or that. Well, the artist themselves, the photographer, was like, well, that wasn't really what I was seeing. But yeah, that's great. Good, mm-hmm. you know. Good. So then you no longer. Um, maybe we. I feel like I'm having deja vu. Man, I must be tripping. Um, must be. Was it you I had the conversation with about Johnny Cash and Trent Reznor doing Hurt? I don't think so. Maybe. So you know, there was a popular Nine Inch Nails song called Hurt. And there's Nine Inch Nails version. Trent wrote it then. When Rick got with Johnny Cash and they did the career revamp and they had him do all the covers. Yeah. You know, Depeche Mode and all that. They had him do a version of Hurt. Yeah. The song came out. Huge hit. Massive hit. Helps relaunch Cash's career. Trent says, it's not my song anymore. I wrote it, but now it belongs to him. Yeah. Because the version that Cash did was so, everyone loved it so much. So in that sense, well, he didn't have a choice in the matter. Well, there, it's easy to give away something that you no longer possess. Sure, sure, sure. But I, I think there's a, sim, a symbolism in that, of of in, the, in what you're discussing, what you're saying about owning it. Like Trent had it, then he released it, then it became, then it was out there, and then either Rick or Cash or whoever, someone got it, took it, and then they made it Johnny Cash's thing. Did they use the exact? No, no, he he did his version. I mean, but I'm sure, still that's still he I'm probably sure they, paid him for oh, it. Oh, you're damn right they paid him. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, so he still owned it. Yeah, and he's got to yeah. still be making a lot of money off of it. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, so what is the inspiration for? So we're we're conflicted here. We're like, okay, you make it, it's it's not yours anymore. People should be able to enjoy it, do what they want with it. And then the other side being oh, it's not fair for artists not to be fairly compensated for what they make. There's so, a conflict there. Well, remember, there are two different functions. The there artist selling his yes. work to the general public and patronage. 
which is what Patreon is, right? It's the original, the original, wow, really good I artist. Just got that. <laughs> the 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 original artists were uh, were always had patrons. I mean, yeah. The, the the famous ones in the Enlightenment had the Domenici's or, you know, the Lords of Italy. The that, Pope. Right. That um, <laughs> paint my wife, please. Right. Yeah. Or paint this ceiling or whatever, you know. I don't uh, like my wife in those neon so colors. So <laughs> they had like Botticelli had, you know, the 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 Domenici's had his studio that he, you know, he had all these people working for him and stuff. So um and I think there's still art patronage. I mean, that's what that's what nonprofits do. Yeah. A lot of times they they have like you. They call it um, what do they call it? Not apprenticeships, but uh, not internships. What do they call it when someone goes and works and they provide a studio and apprenticeship? No. Oh. Um, uh, I'll think of it in a minute. But but. A, a lot of nonprofit schools do that, where they they have you know they bring an artist in, and they they give them a studio, and then they allow and that person teaches class residency. Nice. That person teaches teaches class um, for the stu- for the school, but in in doing so, they also are there with all the students, and they're you know they're getting all the new energy and whatnot, but they also have the studio there that they can make their own art. Right. And then they have a show every year of their residents. You know, there's there's a decent amount of models of art schools that actually do that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we're talking about two. Patronage is different than because the patron owns all the art, mm-hmm. and then they give it away, or they. In the Enlightenment, a lot of times they gave it away as gifts, or they gave it to a town. Like it would be part of a okay, a yeah, town that's square. Or yeah, to make. So, what about some kind of crowdfunding for a band where everybody has like mutual input and they actually pay the band to make a song for them well, that, that they have be... some kind of input for, and then it belongs to them there, as like an investment. That's a rough, a rough idea of I think that kick, would be the equivalent. A lot of musicians use Kickstarter, so they would and they would have people say, but they still own the yeah, music, even exactly. With yeah, the people. So I'm talking it, about but... you get a thousand people together who really like the eagles and they pool all their money together and, and make the eagles the make some kind of them. garbage but they own it right right, right. obviously it would right, be garbage right, right. since you know well yeah. be the eagles producing well uh glenn fry's gone so he might have been the only dude i like that as an idea the only voice of reason like kick yeah like kickstarter right. funding music except the people I... who fund it legally oh, no. own the music yeah, but then how does anybody else hear it other than them? How do they monetize it? Right, and then you're in your yeah. So really, but I, the band is paid. That's the point, and it's fair. Right, I guess. So the guy Steve Albini. So the way he does, most producers would get production points, which ultimately, what what that ultimately leads to is that they get pretty much a lifetime payment on whatever they did. Um, if he had taken producer points on in utero he would not be gambling to keep his studio running today. Right. Um, he has, he does a lot of poker and he uses that money to help pay for his studio. 
Um, Wait, was his decision not to take "quote unquote" points on the album based cool. on his? He, well, it, it was principle rather than the fact that principle. he didn't think yeah. that it would be commercially successful. Yes. And okay. He, and he treats every every band he works with. Cause there's a, there's a lot of bands. Uh, the Breeders, they were huge college rock. You know, I can't even remember them. And he didn't he didn't take anything from them. They, he treats the thing like a plumber. Is what this is. I think his exact words. It's like a plumber. I go in, I do a job, you pay me. That's that. No, but the whole point is to have residual income for your retirement, fool. You can't do that forever. Right. Mm. I mean, as long as we're in a capitalist system, you're going to have to have residual income. Yeah, that was the other big thing about the music purchasing article. Everybody is all about Mariah Carey and All I Want for Christmas and how she just makes absolute bank every single year because of that one song. All the Christmas albums Sinatra's estate does. Yeah. She she does. You're right. She absolutely. So that, that's it, the model that people are aspiring is the catalog to. Catalog different than income. a seventy year copyright after the artist is dead. So it so he bought the catalog right, right, right. seventy years after the Beach Boys are dead. Is that catalog invalid? Are those songs still owned by that's that? That's an catalog? interesting question. Yeah, uh, I think because copyright's only seventy years after the artist I is think, dead. I, I think. think the catalog. So going or is that what, only for writing? What Joey was saying was like uh, the guy bought like well, images. Well, it would apply to songwriting in that oh, case. Because see, oh, I think I'm I'm, I'm speculating here, but it would make sense. Back then, you had people record to tape. Somebody owned that tape. The master. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that was a tangible, like, right, if yeah. you didn't have that tape, you couldn't do shit. Yeah, some of them were destroyed at some point. At the fire. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, oh man. Oh, that's so sad. That makes me sick. There are movies that have been destroyed. The masters have been destroyed in movies before they were released and they had to reshoot the entire movie right. or a lot of the movie. Right. Yeah. So, so is that still a thing now then with uh, things being digitized? Some people go to tape, but I think now in the digital world, yeah, because then at that point it's, you know, give me a copy of the file. Anyone could do anything, mm-hmm. theoretically. Yeah. I'm sure there are, you know, contractual rules against that. How that works, I don't know. That being said, probably in the case of, say, the Beach Boys, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, when someone buys the catalog, they probably bought. You know, like Joey said, this guy bought the images. This guy probably bought a vault or a warehouse full of tapes, right. pictures, hmm. interviews, film. How much did he pay for it? I think it was like two hundred million dollars or two hundred to three hundred million dollars. Oh, yeah, that's not a, not a lot when you think about the Beach Boys. How much influ- how influential they were. That's that's what I thought. Yeah. And so that was paid, I like that angle too because that was he was paid a, to, to the heirs. I have no idea. Because they might have been paid to alive. a label. Brother, Brother Records is owned by the kids, Brian's daughter, Carl's two sons, Mike Love. Well, that's good. At least it and, goes um, to them and not to some. And I want to say Al Jardine. Hmm. So it's Mike Love, the Wilsons' kids, and Al Jardine are the ones that make the, the you know the. So you were just making the fairness argument again because it's like people are. It, they're bothered by people making money off of music other than the, which is natural, other than the people who created it. Um, I think no, that's, it doesn't that's bother ingrained me. in people. I, it doesn't bother me, but I, I wouldn't, I, I would, yeah, there is something about like the ownership of art. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. people don't and, like the record labels making money or the, like the people who I didn't don't mind them making to. money as distribution, but it's so hard to create. 
-hmm. Like creation is so difficult. If you've tried to write a song or a piece of poetry or a decent amount, it just like working on this book, it, it, it requires your entire brain to be running. And so it's, it's extremely not efficient. Right. And so I just... So is it that people should be comp fairly compensated for their labor or for their genius or... Well, I, I wouldn't want to... It's something... So I wouldn't want to make it as crass to be something neoliberal-like compensation more so than just the effort. Like the effort yeah. of it. I don't know. And I guess you put it in neoliberal language, that would be the compensation. Well, but... it's not like the Beach Boys are unappreciated if they're not or if they're heirs or if they're not financially compensated for it, people still know they made the music. That's true. They they acknowledge it. So if it's just a matter of appreciation. I guess I just don't want another billionaire to get more money from the See, work that, of, yeah, that, of... The inner of workings of those part. types yeah. of things. See, and I think, too, from an artist's perspective, whether it's music, visual, you know, photography, writing, that kind of thing, what's your... I guess what's your greater motivation other than to put the work out? So for me, I guess just to make it easy for argument's sake, if you're a musician, you want to make as much money off the music that you made as you can for the rest of your life. That's understandable. Because you like money. Let's see, this is where I'm going with this. So are you, so you're making the music in theory, you know, you're making the music because you like to make music or you're taking the photography because you like to take pictures or you're painting. Or you have to get it out of you. Cause right, it, right. Because it's destroying you. Right, right. right. Um, so at the end of the day, taking your soul. Do you want every piece of pie that you can get from that because you need the pie? Or do you mind, and I've had a couple talks like this with some of my musician buddies, or are you willing to? quote unquote, give it away or make it free so that people hopefully would grab it, use it elsewhere. And then prospectively, you would come to either a greater notoriety and B potentially, hopefully greater fiscal prominence. Yeah. That's another economic by, calculation. By people spread mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. People who aren't capable of demanding payment. Uh, there's, an economic imperative for them to let something go for free right. because what they have is literally worth less right. and would potentially be worth more and then again, once they give it away. If you're going And that's why with Justin Bieber and the YouTube videos that made him yeah. famous. Right. right, right. And then And 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 there is something to be said about just art being art for everybody's enjoyment. Right. You know, so when probably when he was originally doing those videos, it was because he just was doing them. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But then I don't you, think if you think he was if you're creating something and you put it out there. Now, if, I mean, if you're truly that selfless and in, in that position where you say, I'm going to do this because I want people well, to. Well, I think when you're a kid, you would be kind of that. Sure. Hmm. You know, I'm going to do X because I want everyone to mm -hmm. have it or enjoy it or see it or listen to it, feel it, hear it, whatever. But there's something I think that can be said for artists putting out stuff the idea of if you put it out and you don't charge anything for it then you're basically telling people that's not worth anything to you mm -hmm. unless i guess unless you've you know prefaced it with i'm doing this because i want x outcome but if you're just like Bandcamp, you see a lot of people putting out music on Bandcamp, where any payment that you give goes directly to that person minus Bandcamp takes a fee paypal takes a fee there are aggregators and that's fine um, but they put a lot of stuff out just for free, just to encourage 
anyone to download it, listen to it, use it, share it, whatever. But there's an argument in the artistic community to be that, that, that would state, well, if you're going to work hard on this and do this and just put it out for free, then it's obviously not worth anything. Why would anyone else give you money for something that you don't think is worth something? So everything that we've done that we put on Bandcamp through Sweet Sounds, it's unless it was a sampler or a label sampler, which was intended to be free to entice people like, hey, here's the stuff that you would hear on this record label. Everything had at least a dollar, two bucks, right. three bucks, five bucks, because you you had to put an implicit value, which is which cracks me up now because, you know, I put out a record almost 10 years ago, an actual record. And I see it in the secondhand markets online for four and five and six times the amount of money that I ever sold it for, simply because of its ra implicit rarity, hmm. which cracks me up. Yeah. So that makes me th feel already feel that I'm incredibly f d d bound to be incredibly famous when I'm at my most feeble time in my life, mm -hmm. when I will never be able to play out loud. You're not feeble. Reproduce the music. I'll be like, no, I mean, I'll, I'll be like in my 70s and someone will say, yeah, I've got one of the last remaining copies of this record. There were only 300 press, mm -hmm. but now there's only 10 on the whole planet. And it'll be worth thousands and thousands of dollars and I'll be mm -hmm. sought after everywhere. But I'll never, and they'll say, yeah, well, we want you to come out and have the crew you didn't have and tour and do this. All these African bands and so, these things that get unearthed because we've forgotten about them and we missed them the first time around. Yeah, these that's it, not like a, sounding a lot like a, the a, quality of the music is feeding that if you're talking about the rarity of a physical record. Well, and in some cases, the quality is great, and in some cases, it's not. It is the absolute rarity. It's the hunt. Yeah. Uh, the the, the, the proto-punk band Death from Detroit comes to mind. Three three black dudes, they called the band Death. The labels didn't like it. They didn't, you know, black dudes with a band name, it's never going to work. Mm -hmm. They were playing music that was more akin to Alice Cooper and... Ooh the Stooges than they were playing to Motown. Yeah. And they disappeared. They put out, you know, a 45. Um, they fell apart. One brother died. 30 years later, 35 years later, whatever, uh, one of the guy's sons goes to a party, hears a song, says somebody, you know, says to someone, well, hey, what, what is this? Oh, this is band Death. You got to hear this. And the kid goes, wait a minute. That's my dad's band when he was a kid. Mm. So he comes home, tells the dad, hey, dad, by the way, these kids are rocking your 45. Internet market goes, explodes. I think that 45 is like thousands of dollars now. There were only but so many made. Just so happens, before the one brother died, he called the other brother and said, hey, man, you might want these master tapes. They may come in handy someday. Oh, God has blessed us. This was, you know, this is the, you yeah. know. And all of a sudden, these guys, they got to put out three more records, two or three more records. They went on tour. They made some money. They had a moment. And now they're forgotten again. Mm -hmm. But the music is really good. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's powerful. But now it's it's as, it's it's as equally obscure now as it was when it started. But they had this one blip, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm saying. Is someone will if come people along. can listen to the music without the physical copy of the record, then it is entirely speculative in value. It's the same as somebody buying just like an object. Right. I mean, it's only worth what someone will pay for it. Yeah. You know, in, ta in tangibility. Yeah, you can listen to music online all day. Yeah. Well, popularity no, specifically. may not be linked to value. But but only yeah. but only 50 people can have a copy of that record. Yeah, but if you can listen to music anyway, who the hell cares about having the... Yeah. You can you can look at a, a Matisse online all yeah. day. Yeah. But only but so many people can have a Matisse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And they don't really 
own it doesn't prevent anybody else from seeing it it's just it's a it's a clout thing right. yeah it's a it's a pissing contest in a sense yeah um but <laughs> but still though you do tr- trust me man take it from a guy who knows you feel pretty good when you're one of those people that has one of those records mm-hmm. that has like that owns it yeah oh yeah it does make you feel good it's it's crappy but it does make you feel good okay like I actually, I mean, I'm a podunk from Swansboro, North Carolina. I have a record in my collection that came right straight from South Africa, from the continent, everything, from the 1970-whatever. It was the only record this band ever made. Don't even know how many are in existence. It's scratchy, it's grainy, but it's real. And it's and I and I tell you, mm. I feel good having it. Okay. Makes me feel good to know I'm one of, who even knows how many people on the planet that have a copy of that original press of that record from South Africa in 19... Mm-hmm. No one will ever know. Doesn't but can you matter. find their like their stuff online? Can you listen to it if off you, of the record? If you can find the He Show B Show group on Spotify, let me know. And if you do listen to it, you'll enjoy it. That's all. Because if you it can't up. listen to look it, it otherwise, you then how do you'll, you you'll need it? the spelling. H e s h o o b e s h o o. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to start over. Oh. All right. What? H e S H O O He Show He Shoe uh, B E He Shoe Bishu Group. Oh, okay, boom. There we Ar- go. Ar- Armitage Road. Um, let's see. Yep, and they Armitage have thirteen hundred and eighty monthly listeners. Great. See, <laughs> fantastic. Thirteen hundred and eighty is not a high number. Right, but there's yeah. not thirteen hundred and eighty of those records. Not even close. So someone somehow uploaded them to Spotify. Well, that's fine. Yeah, I'm sure somebody got a licensing deal. They're going to repress it or whatever. That's happening a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you think he should be shoes getting paid? I don't think any think of them their are, kids are getting paid. I, I doubt it. And probably none of most like the Zamrock thing. Most of those guys died in the uh, uh, African AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there's a Zamrock playlist on Spotify. Nice. I saw it the other day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there's only like two or three of the original dudes left because everybody else died with AIDS or mm-hmm. war or whatever, Family. you know. Uh, independence movements. Whoa, wait a second. This is interesting. What's that? They have them on here as being released in 2020. So this stuff got on Spotify last year. Right. Maybe, I wonder if they remastered it. I'm going to hit the head real quick, but that's something else that I think is uh, obfuscating. You want to pause it? Pause it. uh, Obfuscating to the truth, which is Five songs? No, I don't know where you're going to hit the head because it's out of order. Oh, I'm just going to park it. Out of order. You're out of order. (laughs) Go behind the building. Yeah. Don't get arrested by that. I actually did piss behind this building when I was a kid and almost got arrested. So they say time is a flat circle. Oh man, I gotta go too. All right, well then maybe it's eleven thirty. So yeah, so let's let's sign out. Just wrap it up. Yeah, I yeah, like the serendipity great. of finding your extremely rare vinyl record on yeah. Spotify. Right. Yeah, that's great. But, but I but I do I think it obviously because then it. people are gonna yeah. say, well, man, this hey, came, you're not gonna like it. This came out this came <laughs> out in 2020, and I'm gonna be like, no, dude, this was 1970, whatever. Some of the music and they need to, they need to fix things like that. Yeah, yeah. What? They they know they need to fix stuff like that. They need to make it say that it was released. Well, in, they have a little description of the group i think and that's fine but but no they don't but they need to <laughs> they need they need to like, anything maybe you can edit the description of the group that's well then per- perhaps someone should have a job that does that but that so would be is it is it a crowd i mean could you could he go in and edit the name of the group or send something to spotify so they can edit it maybe i don't know who if you're if you're it. a band you can email there's a thing in spotify apple music's the same way you send them an email you claim your profile 
and you, you have to prove it to them that it's you that you're right. you, and I've done it with all the groups that I was in when we were doing this you claim the profile you can control whatever they show on Spotify of you uh, that's cool Okay, I'm excited about the like the that, crowd that surfing where the people paying own the music that the band or artist produces. It's crowd patronage. I think that's a good which is what model. Patreon is, except for the artist owns it, which is different than the original See, patrons. I, I want because the, they own the art. Like if right. if if the Guggenheims. You know, well, I don't know. I want artists fair did, compensation from the outset, and then Pollock it's off of them. Well, then we have to discuss what's fair compensation. So th th we, this is going to bleed on. Yeah, yeah. Let's. It's how much willing, how much money they're willing to take in order to make it, and mm -hmm. then once they make it, it, be, it belongs to the people who paid them. And you know what? If it freaking blows up, or if they had they paid for it, it's theirs. Just the way that. Well, shit. I guess actors and actresses get royalties oh, for movies course. being paid, oh my gosh. but they a... don't get they don't get points on the production unless they ask for them. Unless that's they part of the compensation. Yeah, right, right, right. If you have a blockbuster hit with that's unexpected, and the actors and actresses in it, and the director did not get points on the project, they get the money they were paid to make it, and the producer gets the money from the movie. Used to be so. If you acted right. in a film, you got paid whatever you got for the film. You didn't get any residuals until the film was shown on TV. Yeah. Now that you have other outlets like TV, then that's why people want But those. for contract work, residuals are much better for the artists because they go into the future right. as a retirement. Depending on how right. how successful it is. I knew it, right? And that, that's a gamble that they make. Like, everybody makes a big deal about Alec Guinness, like, even though he thought that, allegedly thought that Star Wars was kind of ridiculous. Right. He took... Oh, he took all that he money. He took points on the yeah, package, he and money, he, yeah. you know. I knew, I knew a what guy. Did, what did he play? Obi-Wan. Oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so he would, but he was smart enough to, you know, take or know that whatever there was the situation was. Right, right, yeah. Maybe. He, he, or, he realized that a Jedi's strength he probably had a lawyer. from the Force. Right? <laughs> he probably had a lawyer that said, or a publicist, somebody that told him. Well, that he, was, manager. he was trained by Jedi Master Yoda. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Wait, no, Obi Wan wasn't. Yes, was he? Was. Oh, Qui -Gon. yeah, he was. He's ah, trained by well, Qui Gon. So you have to get a little deeper into yeah. the lore. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes. So now we're now we're getting into geek territory. You know, yeah. there are lots of photos online of Liam Neeson pissing himself in public, and I don't know if it's a drinking <laughs> thing, but it's like he brazenly apparently does it. And it's just like there's in like hundreds. That's of photos. gross. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah right. That's yeah, well. Yeah. With, he needs to be trained better. Yeah. With that. his mama would be very upset. Yeah. Yoda dropped the ball on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yoda yeah. was his I'm, master. I don't, well, all right. Anyway, that's it. I think for today. Yeah, that's all it right. for today. All right. Great music talk. All right. Getting. Dude, out, I want to listen out. to this album. Uh,